Go ahead and have a seat, everyone, and just close your eyes with the lights down for a minute. And I want you to think of other places that you, like me, have run to from time to time because you um, you look for relief, you look for help. Um, you know, you might call a friend. There's nothing wrong with some of these other places. You might reach out to a prayer group or to a life group or to a, a counselor or a pastor or some other place that, that you go to because you, you need help. The uh, waves are tall in your life. And we've just sung about a song that says nothing about those other places, but it really says a lot about the place to go. And to be at his feet and to take in um, the, the, the touch of his spirit is the best medicine I've ever known. I, I know you feel that way, most of you. If you don't or haven't experienced that, my prayer is that you'll take steps to say, like, uh, there was a woman named Mary. Her sister was really busy with some things, but she was over there sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she knew something. There's something in her approach was, I know where to go. I know who to be with. So right now, we know that you're the one we go to, Lord. <clears throat> you're the one to be with. Uh, our world is just a steady stream of threats and warnings and troubles, waves as I think of them sometimes. And uh, you can handle a wave or two along the way, but if you come up and need breath and another wave hits you, it's hard going. It's kind of scary. I pray for the person in this room. We just talked about Ukraine and some brothers and sisters, some dear souls that are suffering. We pray for them in Jesus' name that you would stop this and give them peace and relief. Help them to begin to recover and restore what has been destroyed. But even until that time, make this very moment for every, every Jesus lover there, everybody that desperately needs help to receive it from your spirit. And I pray the same in our gathering here and live streaming elsewhere. Oh God, do things that we can't do in our own power and as good as we get from others, it's less than what we get from you. So touch us deeply. Thank you for meeting with us. And when we go from here, set us on assignment. Give us a divine appointment from you as Philip got. And help us to keep that appointment. For the glory of Jesus, I pray. Amen? Amen. Good morning, church. Hey, uh, children. Uh, children, your turn to go to church. Miss Jamie's in the back with some of her team. and uh, Head back there and have a blast. Have a great morning. I know you do. You do weekly. And um, I do want to talk to you about um, a thing that is true in all of our lives. Um, I'm going to say it boldly and then we'll dial it in 
sort of deeply and more specifically. Our lives are sort of defined by appointments, aren't they? I mean, you think about, in fact, I want you to think about some of the routines in your life. I've thought about this in my life this week. Things that are uh, shaped by or involve appointments. Okay, so I made a little bit of a list. These all have in common, they have a specific um, time and place and purpose. Okay, so that, that's what to me constitutes an appointment. So let's think doctors. Uh, that probably comes to mind in most of our lists. You make a doctor appointment and um, there's a specific time and place. It could be in their office or a lot of virtual meetings now, which, um, you know, I'm not going to get into my opinion about those. But um, And then there's a purpose to it. You don't just go, hey, I just thought I'd see how the golf game's going, you know, or whatever. You, you're there because you got an owie or a boo-boo or something bigger than that, right? I mean, we all get that. So doctor's first on my list. And then maybe, maybe another appointment on your list is with a pastor, um, uh, perhaps over a grande vanilla extra hot no foam latte. Um, <laughs> just saying. Uh, to talk theology. Maybe you're one of the people that says, you know, I want to, uh, I want to go deep deeper than we're able to go on Sunday mornings, and I get that. That's a frustration for me. But I really want to go deep, so you call your pastor and say, hey, let's, can we talk? And sometimes that's over a latte. Sometimes it's on the phone, and we just chat. So that's, a, that's an appointment. Um, there are even some appointments that I think we would rather avoid. I thought of these appointments, and uh, they make the list of things we'd rather not go to. Okay. So of course, topping that list is an IRS audit. Okay. So if you had one of those or you're pending in one of those, um, you know, talk to Don Lee, he'll get you out of it because, uh, no, he's my go-to tax guy. But, um, anyway, so that would be one of them. And then, um, as a student, we have some students in our church. Um, you know, uh, there are these things called parent teacher conferences, but if you're invited to it, uh, you don't want to go. I I'm told they can be rough, okay? Um, <laughs> all right, enough fun. Um, but there are some appointments that I'm going to put in a column that are not only, um, you know, time-specific and purposeful, and, um, you know, they are, they are in a a location on, uh, that's important. Uh, but these are not only uh, specific, they're significant appointments. One that comes to mind, again, with involving a pastor, is when you come to a pastor and say, you know something, I, um, we, we are getting married. And you come to that pastor and say, can you do premarital counseling or preparation? And it's a very, I've never had a couple come in there with their you know, face fallen and they're like, hi, pastor, we're here. We're here to talk to you about marriage. We're going to get married. <gasps> Sigh. You know, I mean, no, it's a great time. It's one of those things that you'll get there, and they often do get there early. It's special, and it's deeply significant. And here's one that's at least that much, a prenatal appointment. When you get to go and actually hear and hold your breath while you wait to hear 
that beating heart of the baby that's on its way, his or her way. Those are great appointments. And they lead us to the one I want us to talk about this morning. Um, It is um, another type of appointment that is, believe it or not, even more significant than anything I've just mentioned. Uh, That's why I've given them the title this morning, Divine Appointments. Um, And to take one in uh, this morning, I want us to turn in our Bibles to where we left off just last Sunday in Acts chapter 8. So if you're using uh, a regular Bible or a study Bible or an app, I really uh, don't care. I, I just want you to get there, okay? So turn to Acts chapter 8, and while you do, let me remind you uh, that this appointment, of course, if you were here last week, you get a little hint that it involves a man named Philip. And Philip was, of course, uh, one of the seven, there were seven organizers to a early church, first church um, care ministry known as a food pantry ministry. And it was a ministry to widows in particular. And Philip was one of the ones selected to implement this very important ministry to widows in that first church. He was also, you should know and probably have figured out by now, he was a, he was a, a communicator. He was an evangelist, which let me define that. It's a communicator that specializes in telling people Uh, the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And you know the good news, don't you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in Jesus, believes in him, acknowledges him, bows their knee before him, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You can't say that without a smile. That's why it's called good news. You don't deserve it. But he made a way for you to have it. And so when you share that with somebody, you are being an evangelist. You're you're evangelizing. You're just simply telling them, this is what I found to be true. Maybe give it a try. Take a look at him. So back to Philip. He was also, one more piece, uh, the first, actually, traveling missionary. So you know, because of the persecution earlier in chapter 8 of Acts, we've called it, by the way, Acts of the Holy Spirit, and that'll come into very clear focus this morning, because the Holy Spirit does some things that, well, I just, you'll discover it as we study it. Well, let me tell you, he was one of the people, one of those that fled Jerusalem when it was open season on Christians, and this great wave of persecution crashed into the first church. He headed north, it turns out. He went from Jerusalem to Samaria, making him one of the first, actually the first, um, traveling missionary. And he was he successful? If you want to look back at the beginning of chapter 8, you'll see these words too. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the good news. That's what he did. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, he's the Messiah, and so on. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, this isn't a surprise at all. They all paid riveted attention. You can't hear somebody like this. 
You can't see what happens in the next verse. Shrieks, you can't hear shrieks. And watch as impure spirits take a hike. That means demons run for cover. Delivering people from paralysis who are crippled people. And and they're healed there. And people, quite understandably, verse 8 says, were filled with joy throughout that city. You're getting it, right? We would be there and we would be among them going, wait, 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 there's Philip again. Listen, listen, listen. Watch. We would be so drawn in and, uh, and impacted. And our story ended in, uh, at the end of uh, verse 24 last week. And then um, Peter and John, who had come to Samaria, you heard about that last week, that they visited to see how things were going. They had heard some amazing things going on in Samaria. And, um, and they saw for themselves, and these people were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the city was rocking. So then God does something that inspired my title today. He sends Philip south for, yes, a divine appointment. Okay? And the Holy Spirit is the one who set up the appointment we're going to read about now. It begins at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down to Jerusalem and to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Likely more of a label than an individual, kind of like Pharaoh went, uh, Moses went to Pharaoh. There were many pharaohs. This is likely one of a reference to a series of queens or leaders in Ethiopia, a real location in Africa. This man um, had, had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Uh, let me back up. Um, so he's starting out. On his way, he sees this Ethiopian eunuch. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, heading back south, to Africa. He was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up into the chariot and sit with him. And this is the passage, Luke, who authored all of this, reports that the eunuch was reading when Philip approached. Quote, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Um, And then these wonderful words, verse 35, Philip began with that very passage of scripture, Isaiah 53, and told him the good news about Jesus. Pretty cool stuff, don't you think? We'll read on in a minute. 
I've been on that uh, part of that road, and I've been in my imagination on that road a lot this week. And I've sort of taken it in, and, and I want to draw it out a little deeper, okay? Because there's a lot happening here that I think has great linkage to us, it, to our lives, to how you're going to live out the rest of today, right? So here, here's how the divine appointment went down, okay? We know that Philip went south and was sent south by an angel to Jerusalem and then southward and westward from there to Gaza. How many remember the name Gaza in the news, the Gaza Strip? Okay, it's this location. It's, it was an ancient place and it's a modern place. Okay, it's down on the shore or not far from the shore, the Sea of uh, the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, so if you were drawing a map, you would be um, traveling. If you combine the distances from Samaria, where Philip was, when the angel said, get up and I want you to go down eventually to Gaza. Um, it's about a combined distance of 100 miles. So think of Port, uh, Tigard to Eugene. About a, a short hour drive or so, right? Just, just kidding. Um, um, it's about an hour and a half, right? By car. But by foot? Totally different deal. Not so in Philip's day as he traveled as all did by foot. So the angel, something to point out, verse 26, doesn't tell him why. He says, Philip, go south to Jerusalem and then keep going south and west and you'll make your way to Gaza. It's 100 miles away. Not recorded here is Philip going, wow, that's a long ways. How do I get there? How's this going to happen? Um, this announcement um, <clears throat> amounted, I think, to Philip. It, it amounted to saying to him, I know good things are going on here in Samaria, Philip. You know, this is, this is called a revival. This is called, you want to be there, right? Pick your revival over the years, and almost any of them, you sort of envy the people that lived at that time. You think to yourself, oh, that would have been great. I think the ultimate one would have been Pentecost, right? Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came. I would have I just, I'd have given anything to have been there. That would have been so amazing to be a part of that. You never stop talking about it. But remember, Philip's in Samaria. Not a bummer place at this time because he's seen all kinds of things we talked about. It's going on right there. So the angel comes to him and essentially says, it, it amounted to saying, leave this successful ministry. Leave this place of impact. You're right, I'm doing great things. But I want you to leave here and I want you to go from Samaria to a totally unknown assignment. This we do know in a very lonely place. Uh, let me stop and ask you the relevant question. Would you go? It's so easy to read, Philip went, let's get on with the story. No, would you go? If today the angel said something similar to you, I want you to go. And, and here's a related question. Would you go right away? Because there's no delay in this story. 
is Quint. Uh, on his way, he sees a chariot. Um, as, as the Holy Spirit reveals the reason for sending him. He was to meet with a man from Ethiopia for the purpose of sharing, verses 27 and following, the good news of Jesus. So that would excite Philip, I'm sure, because he was doing that in Samaria and it was meeting with great success. Only this time, directly from God, an angel tells him, go there and now here's what you're going to do. You're going to tell this man. Um, it's important to note that the gospel outreach was initiated here in this story by God. Okay? I think that's significant. It appears as a further fulfillment of words we learned early. Some of you have memorized them. Flip the page back to Acts chapter 1 if you haven't. Verse 8 says, but you, from Jesus, his last words before he ascended back to heaven, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses as a result in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and now, it's not listed in Acts 1.8, but Gaza. We're, you see how it's widening? It keeps getting larger. And uh, in days to come in our study that will involve next Sunday, a man named Saul, um, things are about to get really uh, amazing in the mission uh, world of the first century. But back to this story. This was, um, what I'm trying to say is no chance encounter. Okay? Uh, this was a divine appointment, and it was arranged by the Holy Spirit. It was one of those things that I don't think Philip got there and went, man, what am I doing here? Because the Holy Spirit took him, not by the ear, that was my teacher in first grade, but um, he says, you know, or she, whatever, the angel says, go. And here's what you're supposed to do when you get there. So um, this man that Philip is to talk to, you, you get it by his label, he's an Ethiopian. So he's from a different country on a different continent. So this is, a, this is really precise kind of stuff. It's actually south of, um, of Egypt. We know that from the Old Testament. It's where Israel was held captive and they were set free by God through Moses. So, but it's further south. It's on the east coast, actually. And, um, and Ethiopia is right next door. It shares a border with uh, Kenya. Been to Kenya. It's a real place, is my point. And, um, and he's sent down there, uh, important official in the Kandak. Uh, it's a different pronunciation, so I was really conflicted. Believe it or not, in preparation, you spend about 10 minutes trying to decide which pronunciation you're going to agree with. So... Um, one of your translations has rendered it uh, Candace. So, uh, I don't know, K-Cup. I don't know what we call her, but uh, this queen of uh, the dynasty. Um, by the way, you read the word eunuch, and that's a castration that was done to many, some by choice, um, because it opened, believe it or not, doors of employment, opportunities, because you could be trusted as a man in that day. 
if that was done to you. And so uh, I, I don't have a better explanation for why that's even included here. I could get down into some deep details, not of the procedure, but of, uh, you know, the why. I don't know. I don't know why. But he was a eunuch. And, and that would at least support the idea that he was close enough to the queen. Think person in power. If Chuck Colson were alive today and he were in this room, he could tell you about being, as he put it, one, one door removed from the most powerful man in the world, the president at that time, Nixon. One door. And he, he would say, I don't have to even call for an appointment. I can literally knock, knock, open the door and come in. Okay? That's the kind of close proximity that this eunuch had to the queen. That's what the idea that I think is comfortable to kind of embrace. And then look at verse 28. Um, it gives us a little insight to who this man was. It, we're, importantly, we're told something here. We're told in verse 27 that he was coming from Jerusalem, heading to Gaza on that desert road, but he's going to keep on going south and west to Ethiopia. He was coming from Jerusalem, and verse 27 tells us where he had been worshiping. See that? So, so that's important to know. It's likely that he was a Gentile who was spiritually hungry, which explains verse 28, on his way home, sitting in a chariot, reading what? Not a map. The, the prophet Isaiah. So spiritually hungry, let's go with that. The Holy Spirit prompts Philip to reach out to the man, verse 29, go to that chariot and stay near it. Um, so he did, and he runs over. He doesn't walk. Excuse me, slow down, slow down. No, he runs to the chariot, this horse-drawn carriage, as directed, and found himself close enough to hear something. To hear the man reading from one of the most messianic passages in the Bible, Isaiah 53. If you wonder the word Messiah, if you wonder about the Old Testament identity of the coming promised anointed Messiah, you can do a lot worse than Isaiah 53, but you probably won't find much better. It's... it's Top dead center, we used to say in mechanical work, right? It's the, it's the place to go. Today, when you're trying to reach people that are from uh, a Jewish background, you've got to grapple with a reality that they don't buy that Messiah has come, and therefore Isaiah 53 does not describe Messiah. They have other uh, theories, but in fact, sharing the gospel um, to to have the veil removed and their eyes opened will involve them recognizing, perhaps, as we're going to read next week, in a oh, aha moment. You mean Isaiah was talking ab about Yeshua, the Messiah? <laughs> oh, eyes are opened. You see what I'm getting at? So, so it's a powerful, powerful passage that he's reading this eunuch that's heading back to Ethiopia. The passage, by the way, Isaiah 53, a word more about that. It was uh, the last section of 
four so-called servant songs that Isaiah had penned 700 years earlier. And uh, if you're writing them down, Isaiah 42, 49, Isaiah 50, and then 52 and 53. Those are the, the songs. They make up these servant songs. I invite you to read that today. You're going you're gonna to get a picture through the lens of the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus um, came to earth. You're, you're going to get a, a picture of the, the, the view that he, um, maybe the identity. He was a servant. He wasn't the conquering king. He was the humble serving king. He, he conquered but he did it a different way than guns and bullets. Powerful, powerful image. He's pictured as a coming savior and a servant who's going to suffer and, in fact, die. So Philip, back to him in this story, he seizes the moment. And he asked, look at verse 30, he asked, Do you understand what you're reading? I don't know what prompted him, except it's a great opening question. When you're talking to somebody, you're not sure that they know the Jesus you know. He says, are you, are you, do you understand what you're reading? And the man's answer was, I have a term for you to write down and research, without wax. Anybody know what that means? I didn't think so. It's, it's not used today. It's a very cool expression. One of my mentors used it all the time, signed every letter without wax. So this Ethiopian, the man's answer was without wax, with sincerity. You, 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 you hear it in his tone, verse 31, um, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me, pointing to Philip. This is very simple and pure. Here's what I'm getting at. This nothing forced here. There's a friendly conversation. This is an exchange between two total strangers, but it was very authentic, very organic, we say sometimes today. It didn't get planned ahead of time. Philip was having a good time up north. Here he is talking to a stranger from another country. But it was a divine appointment. God was in this, and we'll see more of that now. Philip joins this man, of course, in the carriage and listens. As arguably the most explicitly Jesus-centric words from Isaiah um, are, are being read. And sensing Philip was reading something of great importance, the eunuch asked this question in verse 34. Tell me, after reading the passage we read earlier, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? So the eunuch asks Philip, tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And notice there's no further nudge mentioned from the Holy Spirit. That's what we call in, uh, like in baseball language, 
He was served a fat pitch. Philip was given a wide open question. Well, tell me, who's, who's these words referring to? Who is it? And uh, Philip started, verse 35, um, with the passage that they've been reading and about the suffering servant. And then he tells them how he, from other passages in the Old Testament, is the good news that was promised, the Messiah that was to come. Uh, Powerful moment here. Uh, The scene struck me this week as reminiscent of a moment that Jesus had, and you can look at the notes and see at the bottom the uh, reference in Luke 24. But you have Jesus literally the day he rose from the dead. So he rose early in the morning, right? And uh, that night, he met with his disciples. But in between, he met with two guys that were on a road from Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus, not far away. And he comes up to them, and they have this little exchange, and, they, and, and Jesus is disguised. They're not sure who he is. And he's going, hey, guys, what's going on? Talk to me. And they start having this in, in, in sort of exchange. And, um, and it was clear that they, they uh, were impacted by what had happened earlier that day, this news that the tomb's empty and Jesus who suffered and died is no, no longer there. What's this all about? And then Jesus says this, and it reminded me of the scene we're reading about with Philip. Listen to these words. They're from Luke 24, verse 25 and following. You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe that all the prof- what all the prophets wrote about in the scriptures. Now he's pointing to people that wrote before him, which is New Testament. So he's pointing to the Old Testament prophets. Okay, Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then, like verse 35 here, look at 30, 35 again. Philip, beginning with this passage of scripture, told him the good news about Jesus, okay? So in that kind of spirit, Jesus, back to the quote there in Luke 24, Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. Um, I want to tell you a quick story that happened to me, a true story. Uh, Many years ago, um, I was asked by a family of a Jewish man who had passed if I would officiate at his memorial service. I'd never been asked that uh, from a a Jewish family. And then they added this one uh, request. We'd ask that you not mention Jesus in the service. Um. Your your chuckle uh, reflects my like my, my the, I, I was stuck. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And it's like the Holy Spirit said, "Shush, shush, shush," for a minute. And I and I prayed, and I was inspired by this story of of Philip with the Ethiopian, of Jesus with those two dudes. We're not told who they are, so they're dudes that were walking back 
from Jerusalem. I was inspired by that, and, and I, I agreed to do it. So the day came, the service uh, was handled indoors. I, I, uh, it was packed. He was a young man that passed. And, um, and at the end, in a Jewish tradition, there is a uh, sort of a walking procession from the chapel to the actual gravesite. At this particular mortuary that had a Jewish section in the cemetery, it was about a football field, maybe two. But everybody was on foot. There were nobody getting in cars. By the way, it was cold. It was snowing. So um, we just did it. It was beautiful, and it was very reverent and amazing. We get to the graveside, and, and um, they asked me if I would quote the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. The Lord is your God. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the Shema, Deuteronomy 6. But they asked me to quote it in Hebrew. <laughs> Instead of being smart and saying, I can't, there, no, I can't do that. That won't work. Why don't one of you do that? I tried. And your laughter a minute ago was quiet compared to their laughter. But it wasn't laughing at me. We just They thought, this poor Gentile, he has no idea how to say it. But it was a sweet moment. So anyway, we were done with that part. And then the tradition continued. There's a beautiful shovel. Casket was put into the vault and lowered into the grave right in front of us. And I stood at one end, the, the head end of the casket, up above the ground as it was lowered. The funeral director stood next to me. And it was lowered down. And then one by one, people would come by and take a beautiful shovel and... Uh, I mean that. It was like a very ornate shovel, and they would take a scoop full of dirt and drop it and then put the shovel back in the pile of dirt and move on, and one by one, maybe 75 of them did that. Meanwhile, I'm standing there next to uh, the funeral director for this mortuary who happens to be a friend of mine. I had other services there. You become friends, you know, and he is a Jesus lover. So um, he's whispering to me. No one else could hear because we're just, and he says, That's, this, is, this was an incredible service. I just, I got to ask you, how is it that a Gentile got asked by a Jewish family to officiate at a memorial for a Jewish son? And I told him the story that they asked me. That, well, first of all, they're friends. That's why they called me. And, um, and I was honored. And, um, and so I did. And I told him that I was not supposed to mention Jesus. And he said, wow, you blew that one, didn't you? And I said, no, actually, I didn't. I never mentioned Jesus once. In fact, I have a manuscript I can show you. I didn't waver from it for a second. I never mentioned him once. And at that moment, we both looked at each other and had this sense that that's what the Holy Spirit did. He spoke a clear message about Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, from the Old Testament. This whole book's about Jesus, people, 100% of it. I, I really ask you to do this. I don't, there was no way to do it uh, briefly. So would you, at the bottom of your sermon note page, you online do the same thing. Click on that, in your case, 
and go to that site and you will find a beautiful description of Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Um, you'll, you'll read about him not just in John 10 or in Ephesians 2 or in you know, uh, a variety of other New Testament passages. You'll read, out, you'll read about him in every single one of the 66 books of the Bible. So go there, okay? I don't have time to go there now, but I want you to go there. All right. Um, clearly, the Holy Spirit um, conveyed in that moment for me, and it's, it was worth telling you in detail, because I've lived this firsthand. I'm thinking, man, I didn't have training for that. What do I say? How many of you, show me your hands, have been faced in a situation where you wanted to say something about Jesus had no idea what you're going to say? Good for you. Get out there. Stay out there. Live on that edge. And the Holy Spirit's going to go, I got this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say things through you. People that I didn't tell the secret to are going to think, wow, you, 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 man, you use Jesus every other. This man went on to tell me how many times I referred to Jesus. Referred to Jesus through the scriptures. It's what Jesus did. It's what Philip did here. And it's what you and I get to do every day. So back to the chariot as we wrap things up here. The Ethiopian was apparently convinced that Jesus was the one described by Isaiah. And he was ready to embrace him as Savior. Look at how it ends. Verse 35, Philip, after beginning with the very passage of Scripture, Isaiah 53, tells him the good news about Jesus. And they travel along the road, and they come to some water. And the eunuch says, look, here's the water. Okay, so he says that because he's ready. He understands the gospel enough to say, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Notice verse 37. Very few translations have it. Some do. But at the bottom, it reads this way. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, because he's answering a question, what prevents me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, I do believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And we come back in in the main text, verse 38. He gave orders to stop the chariot. Then Philip, both Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, <laughs> I would pay money to have been there. <laughs> um, I'm not a Star Trek guy, but this is one of those times. Yeah, you're no longer at this location, Phil. We're moving north from here, 20 miles actually. Um, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. The word is snatched in Greek. It's like, whoosh, took him away. So that's kind of a head-jerking moment for this eunuch. It's like, whoosh, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Whoops. We're missing an apostle here. What the heck? You know, I mean... He snatched away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but what? Went home rejoicing, rejoicing. And Philip, however, went on to Azotus and traveled about preaching. Of course he was preaching the gospel in all the towns until he eventually will see him again up in Caesarea on the coast. Um, this divine appointment ended with the Ethiopian eunuch being baptized 
emerging from the water and, and suddenly the Holy Spirit leading Philip away. And um, I don't want you to miss it because I, I want you to know the effect of moments where the Holy Spirit leads the way. The consequences are often one of rejoicing where you just go, that's not hard to imagine. It wasn't the, whole, it wasn't the, the Ethiopian saying, oh, no, we're just becoming bros. We're just getting to know each other. No. Philip had a purpose in his life, and he fulfilled that purpose. He kept the appointment he was given. He made good on that, and the man rejoiced. Um, I have a couple of questions as the worship team joins me now. We're going to sing a great song. Um, it's called Call me, Called Me Higher. Um, I want to set it up for you with some questions for you. And for me, these are good questions. So, how willing are you to go wherever Jesus leads you is the most obvious of the questions. Fair question, don't you think? I mean, I, I, it, it could have to do with, are, am I willing to go there in person? And it probably isn't Ethiopia or Kenya or Taiwan or pick another faraway place, Perth. It's not, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's your neighbor. Can I tell you what the Lord, the Holy Spirit's doing for me? I'm sharing Christ all the time. I shared it with a guy yesterday um, at an RV dealership. I was talking to him on the phone. And he told me about somebody that's kind of hurting. He says, I probably shouldn't say too much, but this guy's kind of hurting. And I said, well, you know what? I believe in prayer, and I'm going to pray for that man. I'm going to pray because, you know, I want him to feel better. That's the gospel. That's the Holy Spirit saying, say something. You know, rather than, can we get back to talking about trailers? Do you see what I mean? How far are you willing to go? It may be something as simple as, go talk to that guy. Go talk to your neighbor. Um, literally, this is happening to me right now. And I'm really, I'm happy, I'm humbled to tell you about it. Um, and I hope you'll look for those, those times. Maybe it's in prayer. You don't have anybody to go to physically, but you've got some people to go to in prayer. Remember, the Holy Spirit's the one that inspires these divine appointments. So if he gives you an appointment, then get up out of bed and pray for that person if you're in the middle of the night. The Holy Spirit put him on your heart for a reason, don't you think? I think so. And so that's one question. Um, are you willing to share, as Philip did, with a total stranger about how to know Jesus? Now, some of you are, like, getting nervous because you're like, I don't know. Well, let's start with you. Are you a Jesus lover? Because you know something. You know Jesus. Maybe it's a favorite verse of yours. You say, let's see, the wages of sin is death. That's not good news. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. I can tell you that. I deserved to die because I was a sinner, but I met Jesus and he took it all away. That's Romans 6.23. It's one verse. See what I mean? Make it your story because if you're a Jesus person, you've got a story. You do. And if the story's not real clear to you, 
There's the starting point for you, okay? Tell about that. You know this because I've told you this, and it's worth mentioning again. We've been in a hurricane for a year. Debbie, uh, we had on Friday her one year of uh, leukemia. And you know something? It's given us so much to draw from. Hard things, good things, happy things, sad things, but so many moments to, to tell people the secret. How come you're still standing? How come you, you're not, you know, it's because of Jesus. I've said it so many times. I've memorized it again and again. God is our refuge and our strength, our constant companion. I told my dentist that this week between swallows, you know. I did. It's brand new dentist. My old dentist retired. This is a new guy. And I went, I want you to know I want this office. And I didn't say it softly. Told so there's like four people with their mouths open down the hall, you know. And I, everybody's hearing. He's our ever-present help, our constant companion in times of trouble. I want to know that Jesus, most people will say. He'll lead you. He'll lead you. He'll, he's leading me. And, and he makes the appointments. The only question this morning about divine appointments is, will you show up? If he sets the appointment like he did Philip, will you show up and will you speak up? Amen? Uh, this song's really good. Call me higher. Let's get out of our seats. Let's sing it higher. <laughs>